dude, I'm so excited. <laughs> it's going to be really weird, isn't it? No. I think it's going to be weird. Um, I was looking on online uh, to see like how many people RSVP'd to the event, and there's like 13, not including us. See, that's what I'm talking about. It's going to be really weird. It's going to be so much fun. I, I hope it's fun. Oh, sorry, for the folks at home, what we're talking about, uh, Seth and I are going to a showing of The Room tomorrow night. Uh, you may be doing so also where you live. Uh, it's a nationwide one night only affair where they're showing the room and there's going to be i guess like a trailer for yeah there's some there's a trailer for his other movie called uh, like best friend best, best friends, friends. yeah slash best fiend <laughs> yeah it's it's with him and greg sestero and greg sestero i think he directed and wrote this and by all accounts it's actually a good movie is tommy in it yeah they're both in it but it's actually apparently a good movie. And then they're also doing, like, they're showing a commercial for Wiseo Films mm-hmm. that appeared in, back in the day and stuff. So It's going to be so weird. The, I, I, if you're listening to the show, I, I hope you're aware of The Room and the movie that that is. <laughs> we uh, talked about it. It's been back in the news lately about uh, the Disaster Artist movie, um, which has gotten a lot of publicity lately. A couple Golden Globe wins we're going to talk about a little later mm-hmm. when we talk about the Globes. Tommy Wiseau made an appearance uh, at the Globes. That I've watched, hysterical. I've watched that acceptance speech no less than like 15 times <laughs> just because of Franco's reaction to it. It's going to be fantastic. If you're out there, actually, the show is going to come out after the after the airing of the yeah. room. So never mind. You missed it if you were unaware. But uh Welcome, everybody, to episode 26 Six. of the SoCo Show. Uh, Cody Michael joined, as always, by Seth Ott. Of course, your co-host and SoCoast. Uh, no. SoCoast. <laughs> SoCoast <laughs> and the No-Coast and the Ho-Coast. The co-host and SoHost are Colin both Jost. in the house. Apologost. And Colin Jost. Colin Jost will not be here. Sorry. If you showed up for Colin Jost, please uh, stay. episode 26 of the show we got a lot to talk about we're gonna review about a hundred different things because i didn't do shit this weekend (laughs) we're gonna get a a new edition of a segment that i'm very fond of where i'm gonna describe the plot of a horror movie to you seth and also you the listener uh we're gonna talk some golden globes uh what else we got today anything anything else exciting um talk some nfl ah of course nfl i know it wasn't a yeah, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. <laughs> All this and more on uh, on this week's episode. But before we but get into first... any of that, before we get into any of that, we of course have to start with our Iron Sheik tweet of the week. I call you a punk. Lauren Michaels, you don't smile. I break your fucking New York ass. In the garden, I swear you cry. You not even the Jesus save you. Hashtag Golden Globes. Goodness gracious. There's so many good Iron Sheik tweets all the time. It's so hard to pick one. I don't think he's ever had one without. (laughs) In lowercase. They've all been capitals. The Iron Sheik does not believe in lowercase letters. I don't think he does at all. Do you think his phone is always in? Like, no matter what he's doing, it's always all caps. Someone he, modded his shit and he doesn't he, even know. He Googles, like, chili recipe. It's all capital. Only it's like, chili recipe! Iron Sheik loves the Drake horn. Yeah. Um, hey, if uh, if you guys uh, 
listening at home, follow the Iron Sheik on Twitter. At the underscore Iron Sheik. If you follow him there and you spot a tweet that you think should be considered for the Iron Sheik Tweet of the Week, uh, make sure you forward it to us via email or just tweet it at us so, at Soko Show Pod. I've never noticed this before, but his profile picture is him and then Celebrity Rehab's Dr. Drew. <laughs> Was the Sheik on Celebrity Rehab? No. Oh. It's just him, and then Dr. Drew, he's holding the World Championship belt, just looking in a random direction. It's a weird photo. I would expect I would expect nothing less. Yeah, Bubba! This has been the Iron Sheik Tweet of the Week. I call you a punk! All right, let's get to the news. Sports! And boom goes the dynamite. It was a wild weekend of NFL playoff football. It was. And actually, to kind of piggyback off our last segment, um, Iron Sheik had a tweet for you. Oh, of course he fucking did. All right. What does the Sheik have to say? He said, Rams look like lambs, Bubba. Wait, like (laughs) Bubba? Like Bubba. Man, fuck the Sheik. Like Bubba Ray Dudley. Uh, The Sheik can fuck off. I'm sorry. But he does have a point. They, they did look like sheep. The Rams fell on Saturday night to the Atlanta Falcons. I think they the score did. was 26-13. Yeah, uh, a, pretty good ball game at the It was a whooping. I don't know if I'd call it a whooping, but uh, got to hand it to the Atlanta Falcons. Yeah. They, they came out, and me and you have had conversations about this. They they took away they, – they ran the football well. Mm-hmm. They neutralized Todd Gurley as much as they could, mm-hmm. and they won the turnover battle. That's how you beat the Rams. Yeah, like we talked – I mean – when we were talking about the playoffs and the six teams that were in it and everything, the Falcons did exactly what I talked about, where they ran the ball well with both of their running backs, Tevin Coleman and, and uh, De- Devontae Freeman. They didn't really do much in the passing game. Like, Julio mm-hmm. had a couple big third downs. Uh, so, Mohamed Sanu had a couple big third downs. He had a big touchdown at the end, mm-hmm. too. But they ran the ball, and they got pressure. Claiborne yep. is a beast. Vic Beasley is a beast. Um their corners played really well too. They're they're a tough team, and they're I think they're gonna beat the Eagles for sure. It was a good game, and uh, we'll get to the rest of our yeah. picks for the divisional yeah. round. Do you have more confidence in the Falcons going forward now than you did before last week? Yes and no. The reason I say yes is because they're they're pretty hot right now. They've played a a couple about two or three good games now. Um, the last because they I think they lost in week sixteen. And then they they had a pretty convincing showing against the Panthers in Week 17, and then they had a really good game against the the Rams. But they've also not been a very consistent team this year. Mm-hmm. They've had games where they look great, and then the next game they look like shit. Yep. And so they're they're a team that's just not very consistent. I think right now though they're playing the best ball, and I if they can continue playing the way they're playing, they're they're a threat. Yep. They're, I think they're one of those teams that. They see an advantage mm-hmm. from playing in the wild card round. Everyone yeah. wants the first round bye yeah. or whatever, but uh, sometimes you need to gain some momentum. And mm-hmm. I think that the Falcons are better off having played and having beaten the Rams. Yeah. Um, before we go on to the other games, I just want to say uh, 
excellent season for the Rams. Yeah, I agree. I, I didn't expect them to even sniff the playoffs. Yeah. So uh, you were with me when that game ended. I did not shed a tear. I wasn't nope. sad. I under, you know, They got beat by a team that was better on that night, and I have no problem with it. I think the Rams will be back in the playoffs. Uh-huh. I think everyone expects them to be. I'm really excited about where this team is going. Yeah, so. and, and I think we... We talked about it before the season started because we started the podcast right before the, the mm-hmm. NFL season started and we both kind of talked about the Rams and the Vikings and we were both in the same boat. Like, they'll go 8-8, and 9-7, mm-hmm. and 10-6. Both of our teams have exceeded expectations and, I mean, I've watched, I think I watched every Rams game, almost at least 14 out of the, the 16 games. Yeah. And I was extremely impressed with them. I... I think I said it going to the playoffs that they were the team that scared me the most to go against the Vikings. And part of me was kind of happy seeing them gone, but also mm. not because I would love to see them play again. Yep. Um, I would have been very scared to see them play again. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I, I was really impressed with the, the Rams this season, especially coming off of their really bad last season. So yeah. um, they'll, they'll, they're going to continue, especially with Gurley and Goff, they're going to continue to be a, a threat. Exactly. They have so, a really good foundation. Yeah. Gurley, Goff, uh, the defense. You that's know, all they need to do is McVay. draft defense. That's yeah. all they got to do now. Yep. Draft defense and that team is going to be extremely scary. So. I hope so. I hope they stay tough. Let's get back to the playoff picture. Uh, like you said, Atlanta's going to go on to play the Eagles. Yep. Right now, Vikings are awaiting a visit from the victorious oh. New Orleans Saints. <laughs> They knocked off the Panthers by six on Sunday night, it was, and that was a brutal ball game. And they beat them by six, but they really beat them by more than that. Mm-hmm. The, the Saints were in control the entire game. Uh, the Saints are a team where I talked about the Rams being the, the scariest team. The Saints were... I they, think the Saints grabbed a hold of that title yeah, this week. They played the, well, really well. Yeah, even before coming into this, they were... If, if the Rams were 1A, the Saints were 1B. Mm-hmm. They got a running game, and the the uh, the Panthers did a, did do a good job of uh, shutting down the running game, but, but Drew, your Drew consolation Brees, prize. Yeah, is. <laughs> Drew Brees is on fire, and I do think that the Vikings' pass defense is better than their run defense. They were overall the number one, statistically the number one defense in the league this year on all fronts, and, I, and their pass defense was better than the run defense, but... I'm still very scared of the Saints. I'm not going to make any predictions on this game because I can't because I'm very nervous for it. <laughs> but oh, oof, I was really rooting for the Panthers. <laughs> <laughs> as as were we all. I think that that's going to be the game of the weekend. Uh, I I believe so, especially I in the no. NFC. I think that's that's going to be the best ball game. I, I think I it's don't. the best matchup. I I think it's it's a good matchup. I think the game is not. I think it's going to be very low scoring mm-hmm. because the Saints' defense actually scares me more than their offense. Mm-hmm. Because I think the Vikings can shut down the Saints for the most part. The Saints' defense is going to be the game changer because they can also get pressure. Cam Jordan is a freak. He went nuts on on Newton last night or two. Sunday night. And the thing about him is he switch sides. He switches sides. He goes from right to left. And Reef can handle him. Remmers cannot. Mm-hmm. And if if they continue to put Jordan on the on the other side, Case Keenum is going to be under fire. The the Saints team that they played in week one is completely different. It's a different. whole other. It's a hundred percent yeah. different. And that's what scares me. And the Vikings home crowd is going to be a big factor. But the Saints are. They're on a mission, and I, I'm I'm scared. 
Well, it's like we it's like we talked about. They got they got a great defense. Mm-hmm. So, you know, do you want to play in a low scoring game against a great defense? I mean, sure. Mm-hmm. Or do you turn it into a shootout? Mm-hmm. Then you got to play against Drew Brees. Yeah. Do you keep it uh, gritty on the ground game? Mm-hmm. Then you got to stop the run. Mm-hmm. And this goes both ways. The Saints are saying the same things about the Vikings mm-hmm. because they can do all the same things. Mm-hmm. I give a slight edge, very slight edge to the Saints, and it's just because of the quarterback. Mm-hmm. Play. That's the only thing. I think these teams are at a stalemate before that. Yeah. Maybe with the Vikings having a slight edge being at home. This is going to be a really good ball game. I, the Vikings have a Vikings definitely have a definite edge on. The defense, but the Saints have a higher edge on the offense. Mm-hmm. I, it's gonna be it's gonna be very interesting. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm I'm very scared. Um, the one other thing that it's hard to quantify these things when in terms of how teams play in the playoffs, but a report came out this week that Pat Shermer, who is the offensive coordinator for the Vikings, has or is going to interview for five separate high, uh, head coaching jobs. And a report came out that if he goes to a team that has a quarterback need, Keenum will follow him. Mm-hmm. And as a Vikings fan, fine. You know, like, it, I'm not super worried about that for the future. But for right now, as him being their quarterback, and for the focus of that being... Because that's going to be talked about. Mm-hmm. In the playoffs, little things like that are magnified by a thousand. Yep. And something like that is scary for me because the 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 focus goes away from the team. Mm-hmm. For a team that's very closely knit and is and Mike Zimmer is an amazing coach mm-hmm. and he is very team focused. Little things like that can crack in and it scares me, especially for a quarterback like Keenum who is he needs to have confidence and he needs to be in there and in a hundred percent mentally in there it scares me a little bit for that because that happened last year with the falcons kyle shanahan mm-hmm. was he was out interviewing for other jobs exactly yep. and he left and they should have won the super bowl but they didn't mm-hmm. you know so that worries me there's a lot ugh, I, I desperately want the vikings to win <laughs> but i am not super confident right now yeah, it's that's an interesting storyline and something we're gonna have to keep an eye on. the The fourth team in the mix uh, we haven't talked much about Philadelphia. Yeah, they've had a a rough month. Yeah, without without Carson Wentz, mm-hmm. uh, still one of the front runners for MVP, even though he didn't play the last three games. Mm-hmm. They've been kind of down. A lot of folks are not giving them a lot of respect right now. Yep. they got some red hot Falcons coming into the stadium. Of course, we already talked about Vikings and Saints. I know it's going to be tough, but if you can remove your Vikings sweatshirt and objectively make a couple picks, who do you have for the NFC Championship game? I, I can't. I can't make a pick for that Vikings game. Maybe you pick the Eagles-Falcons. I'll pick that one. Who do you like? I think the Falcons win, um, but I wouldn't be surprised if they don't for the same reason that the Falcons won against the Rams. They have an incredible pass rush. Mm-hmm. They have a really good offensive line. and Philly they have, we're talking about. Yeah, Philly. Yeah. They have an incredible pass rush. They have a really good offensive line. And they got two, if not three, running backs that could start with any other team. They mm-hmm. got Ajaye, who's, I think he's a top ten talent when healthy. Mm-hmm. You got Blount, who is a, just a beat-your-ass running back. He runs angry. <laughs> yeah. I love it. And he was, he, was aver- he was top five in average yards per carry this year. He didn't, he didn't really get a lot of carries. But he was incredible. And then you got like Wendell Smallwood, who is a quick change of pace, almost like Alvin Kamara type of back. 
Oof. So I think the Eagles have more of a shot than what a lot of people think. But I still pick the Falcons because they're hot right now. They have a more complete team. They have the experienced quarterback when it comes to the playoffs. Because Foles has played in like two games. There was like an interesting stat that Schefter put out. It was like all of the matchups this weekend. It was like Mariota, one game to Brady, 37. Uh, Foles, two games to Matt Ryan, like nine. Keenum, zero to Breeze, 15. <laughs> you know, like uh, Brothersberger, like... 20 to Bortles zero. Mm-hmm. So, and that's something we talked about coming into the playoffs, yeah. especially in NFC. Yeah. You have such little quarterback experience in the playoffs compared yeah. with a lot of quarterback experience. So it's, I, I do think the Falcons pull it out and end up winning because of the pressure. Because with Foles, Foles compared to Wentz, when you get pressure on Foles, Foles don't even count him as a quarterback mm-hmm. but Wentz can get out of there and he's he's better on the run than he is in the pocket yep. so I think that the Falcons do win but I wouldn't be surprised if they don't if if the if the Eagles come in there with a game plan to run it and play solid defense they could squeak out a win they're not going to light up the field though no but I, I picked the Falcons I can't pick the other game I just yeah. I just emotionally can't do it <laughs> because Sunday I'm going to be you're going to be a mess huh um, I will pick it for you. I'm, I'm going to agree with you on Atlanta. I think they go in and, and they win that game. Mm-hmm. And I think they're going to be rewarded with a trip to Minnesota you for so? the NFC Championship game. Well, I, I appreciate that. Um, I think that these teams are so heads up on every front that I have to give the edge to the home team. They're yeah. better rested. Um, it's true. I think they've got great coaching in Zimmer. Mm-hmm. And they, they knew what was coming. Mm-hmm. You know, They've seen the Saints before. Um, I know it was four months ago, but they have seen them. Yeah. Um, I, I like I like Minnesota at home to win this one, and then uh, Atlanta comes in. Minnesota's gonna have a chance to get to the Super Bowl at home. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? Ugh. I'm gonna tell you right now, like right now, if you if if that happens, you better have a fucking camera ready. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. I will I will make sure to do that because then we can have footage of you destroying our TV if they lose. Well, if they win, though, like not if they win this Sunday, I'm going to be very happy, of course. But if they win and even get to the Super Bowl, there's going to be a range of emotions, which will be like excitement to tears. <laughs> uh, it's going to be good stuff. I'm, I'm excited. Uh, in a way, I'm relieved that the Rams are out because I don't yeah. have to be. I can just enjoy yeah. the games. Uh, <laughs> it, it's, it's been starting to hit me. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, this is going to be nerve wracking. <laughs> It's going to be, I'm, I'm very, very excited to see the game. Specifically that Minnesota and New Orleans game. It's going to be awesome. Um, we spent a lot of time on the NFC because that's where we watched most of our mm-hmm. games. Let's talk and very, the better games. Very briefly, let's talk about the AFC. The Chiefs are fucking a joke. Yeah. They're a joke. You're up 21-3, yeah. I think, and the end of the first half against the Titans, and you blow that lead at home for like their sixth straight playoff loss. I don't want to give any more time to the Chiefs. To be fair, though, that game was awesome. Um, (laughs) The Mariota catching his own pass and going into score. started it. I'm rooting for the Titans. They're not a good team. I've watched multiple Titans games this year. They shouldn't be in the playoffs. They shouldn't be. But you can't, like, they they continue to just, they did it all season. They continue to scratch out wins somehow. That defense has has pulled together. They're running. Derrick Henry is a freak. Dude, homie's good. He's good. And Mariota just 
whether he throws picks or is missing guys, he can still find ways to win. And he's been doing that since college. He's been doing that since he was in Oregon. Mm-hmm. They find ways to win. I don't think they have any chance There's this weekend. Not a, they're looking for a needle in a haystack for a way to beat the New England Patriots but, at home in Foxborough. It's not going to happen. I don't give them a snowball's chance. No, but that, that game, because last year we had such shitty playoff mm-hmm. games. There was like one good playoff game last year. And so far, they've been pretty good this year. Um, good that games. game started it off and it was great. The Rams and Falcons game was a little better than final box score showed mm-hmm. the uh well, Jack- the, jacksonville and that was a snooze the fest the, ja- the jacksonville and uh the buffalo that was a snooze fest it was close like you never know who's gonna win and buffalo actually looked like the better team i watched that entire game other than a nap in other the than when you were asleep i fell i fell asleep um, but jack uh buffalo moved the ball they just couldn't finish and then like Tyrod got hurt, and McCoy wasn't 100%, and it was all over the place. And then the Saints game was pretty far off until the end, and that Mm -hmm. was a fun finish. So better playoffs so far. Going back to the Titans and Chiefs game, though, and then the Titans and and Patriots this week, it's going to be the Patriots. It should be, and it should be by 30 points. Mm -hmm. If if it's not a blowout, I'll be amazed. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, so Titans, good for you for making the playoffs. Good for you for getting Mm -hmm. a win. Probably your time is up. Both of us... Both of us are picking the Titans. Yeah. Now, or picking against the Titans yeah. in that one. Although I was fucking 0 for 4 last week, so... You were... <laughs> or 0 for 3. Uh, I was 3... 1 for 3. You were 1 out of 4. 1 out of 4, sorry. Because yeah. um, I did pick the Saints. I was 2 and 2 in my yeah. my picks, yeah. So the the final game of the weekend is going to be uh, Pittsburgh against Jacksonville. Well, Jacksonville, like you mentioned, won mm-hmm. 10-3 against the Bills. I like this Jacksonville team, yeah, and I even more like how they match up against Pittsburgh. I think this could sneaky be a really good game. It's going to be. Don't forget, Jacksonville beat um, beat Pittsburgh earlier this season by a lot. They beat them bad, thirty to nine. I think was yeah. the score. Roethlisberger threw five interceptions yeah. to that really, really good Jacksonville defense. What do you th- are you are you giving Jacksonville a chance to do it again, or do you think Pittsburgh's just going? to I think the much? Steelers win. I think the Steelers win overall. Experience comes back to it. At home comes back to it. Because I think the other one was... It was down south, yeah. Was it? And also, Bortles is not playing... He's not good. He's not. Like, (laughs) well, the last, like, from, like, week 13 to week 15, week 12 to week 15, he was good. Like, he was throwing for about 250 a game, couple touchdowns, no picks, not turning the ball over, playing well. He was accurate. And then the last few weeks, he's been bad. And then this playoff game, he ran for more yards than he threw. 89 to 87. And he was missing guys. He didn't throw any picks, but he was missing guys. And he just couldn't. He had one good pass the entire game, and it was for a touchdown. That was it. It was bad. It was a really bad performance by Bortles. And I was sleeping during that touchdown pass. That pissed me <laughs> off. The only good part of the game, I was you sleeping. You missed it all. Yeah. yeah I, I agree with you. There's a part of me that really wants to pick Jacksonville, but I, I got to go with Pittsburgh yeah. in this game. Really want to see New England and Pittsburgh again yeah. in the AFC Championship game. So those are those are our picks for the uh, the divisional round. I know you're going to have a stressful weekend. I can't I can't wait to check back in next week. Uh, I am still like, ugh, it just the tension is building for mm-hmm. me. Oh, it's going to be a lot. I haven't seen the Vikings win a playoff game in about 10 years, so... I, I need it. 
It's been longer for me, but that's besides <laughs> the point. Anyway, also this week, uh, we don't usually talk about NCAA football, but they just had they just had their championship game uh-huh. um, last night yep. as we're recording Monday night for those of you who are listening later, and it was a pretty good ball game it for was. all intents and purposes. But you and I don't really know anything <laughs> about college football, right? Honestly, I I we watch a couple of Cyclones games. We'll we'll go to one sometimes. We'll catch a few. We watched the Iowa Iowa State game. We watched uh, like the TCU game. Uh-huh. Um, we watched a couple games, but then I usually only watch the national championship game, or at least parts of it, and that was the same this year. Yeah. I caught the last two minutes and then overtime. Yeah, exactly. I did the same. So we can't really speak much to the NCAA championship, but don't you think we should probably bring in someone who does? Sports. With Lou Holt. Lou Holtz here, and holy cow, we got a great championship game. It was the Alabama Crimson Tide versus the Georgia Bulldogs on Monday night. And, oof, this was a spectacular game. Kendrick Lamar sang for the halftime show. That was, that was fantastic. And really, the only thing that matters is that the Crimson Tide won this one in overtime on a 41-yard touchdown pass from a freshman to a freshman. You don't see that very often. And uh, the Crimson Tide and Nick Saban wins his sixth national championship, and that's that's really spectacular. Love to see, love to see that. In terms of the NFL, got to make my picks again. Give me Jacksonville in an upset. I'll take the Patriots. I'll take the Saints and the Eagles at home. All those four teams are are, are going to be going to the NFC and AFC championship games. And this is a quick one. I got to get out of here, guys. I gotta go down to Tuscaloosa. You're gonna go celebrate with the Crimson Tide. I gotta go celebrate in Tuscaloosa with Nick Saban. I'll see you guys next week. Bye, Lou. Sports. With Lou Holtz. Lou Holtz, uh, always a pleasure to have him in studio. Even though I you never got to get... you got to meet him this week. I did. I got to meet him. We shook hands, and uh, Lou he, he's a really great guy. He Lou is. Holtz. Yeah. He... Would you, um, you guys shared some snacks, right? We we did share some snacks. Salad. We had some salad. Yeah. Uh, scrambled eggs. Some scrambled eggs. Uh, souffle. We did. We had a souffle. It was made ah. by a great chef in yeah. a great restaurant. Yeah. Uh, really, it's just it's just great great to see yeah. Luke. Holy cow! Well, uh, thanks again to Lou Holtz for for stopping by the show once again. And we're gonna move on to TV. That's what she said. TV. We've got uh, quite a few things to review. Uh, I've got two shows to review, but before that, let's get into a little bit of news. I know, that, Seth, there's a couple shows uh, that have gotten release dates, uh, some shows that, that both of us are watching, so tell the folks at home what, what we heard this week. Well, one of them that we both definitely watch is New Girl. Their final season will premiere on April 10th for anyone who enjoys the adventures of Nick, Jess, CC, Schmidt, Winston, Lou Holtz would love that show. <laughs> Eight episode, short season, final season. Yeah, that's going to be, it's actually seven weeks. They're going to do the first six episodes and then seven and eight will be on the final. Hour long final, sure. It's going to have a, so they t- revealed the plot. It'll be a three year time jump between this current season and the, the new one. Uh, Nick and Jess are, spoilers. Spoilers. <laughs> from the last season, they're they're together. They're still together in the new season. Uh, Cece and Schmidt. They were pregnant at the end of the last season. They now have a you know young child. Winston and Allie are now married and are expecting a kid. They were 
were engaged at the end of the last season. And then um, some other, there's going to be quite a few guest stars. Um, like Jess's dad will be in it again. Nick's dad will be in it again. Uh, we'll also get Coach back. So that'll be fun. Um, I always love when Coach is on. He, he's one of my favorite like co-stars slash guests. Because mm-hmm. he was on for a while. So. Well, he was in the pilot. And then they brought in Winston mm-hmm. instead. And then he came back for a season, did coach, and now he's been gone. So yep. he's kind of a weird character and all this. But I, I, I do like coach. Yeah. It's kind of cool. I don't know. I, I really hate the idea of like a time jump. I would have rather it picked up where it left off. But if they're going to have a short eight episode season. And they, they get to finish to do it. Like a victory lap yeah. sort of thing. Um, I don't anticipate this being very good. But I'll be glad to see them wrap up a bunch you know, of the timeline. Honestly, though, I I think I have higher expectations because they do get to finish their story. Mm-hmm. It's, I think it's a little different than something like Community, which clearly fell off at the end. Like I think New Girl has been pretty consistent, mm-hmm. even the last few seasons, which a lot of people said aren't as good. I think they've still been fine. Like they never really jumped the shark, so to say. Mm-hmm. I think with them getting, they knew going into this, they'd have eight episodes to finish their story. That gives them time to completely write it out. And because I know like um, Jake Johnson, who is Nick, he's been involved with the writing and directing. And he obviously has a connection to the character. I think this is more of a passion project as opposed to like something like Community where they're like, we're going to do six seasons in a movie. They felt like they had to do it. I feel like this is like they want to finish out their story. Yeah. So I'm excited for it. And I have pretty high, not high expectations, but I I feel like it's going to do what it needs to do. Yeah. I I really do hope so. I hope so. Because I I love that show I have since it started. One of the very few shows I've always kept up with. So here's hoping that they have a good finale. I know we got one other release date, and it's for Atlanta. Yeah, Atlanta. Two. Which, you haven't watched that yet, have you? I haven't, but now I know I have a deadline to watch you, season one. You definitely need to see it. And yeah, they uh, announced the season two premiere date as March 1st. So, which is kind of surprising because... Seems I know really soon. It, it is, because Donald Glover had mentioned that it's going to be pushed off a while. Season one was in, still in 2016. Mm-hmm. So it was over a year since they've had an episode, but I figured it'd be longer because of doing Han Solo and Spider-Man and the Deadpool cartoon and his music and all that. I figured it'd be later on, but I'm excited for season two. Um, I know a lot of people are pretty shocked by it, but I'm excited. Yeah, it's going to be sweet. I All I know is now I have a finite amount of time before I need to finish season one so you're, you're gonna love this show i got that high up on my queue i'm really excited for it i've been seeing lakeith stanfield in uh quite a few things mm-hmm. he was in get out if you don't he's the guy in the straw hat okay in get out um and i know he's in atlanta so really excited to to see him specifically and obviously donald glover so paper boy paper boy making all that paper boy gotta get that paper Another show I know you're a big fan of, I've seen quite a few episodes, but I don't follow it like you do, is The Goldbergs. Yeah. And we were talking about this a little earlier, it sounds like maybe a spinoff? Yeah, they filmed this last year, I think. Um, It's a Goldbergs 1990s spinoff show that is going to star Tim Meadows. He he plays a character in the show. He's like the therapist, or he's... um, not therapist, but school psychologist. School psychologist. I can't say that word. <laughs> but uh, it's him and then the, the coach, uh, like the PE teacher. He's the coach there. Um, they're going to 
basically, it seems like it's going to be taking place still in the school uh, at where the Goldbergs, Goldbergs takes place, but I don't know. We'll see. We shall see. Goldbergs, if you don't know, is based in the 80s, and it's very intentionally like about the 80s. Yeah. There's a lot of movie and TV references and pop culture references all about the 80s. So they're going to kind of shift that forward into the 90s and focus on a couple of the, the side characters from the Goldbergs are going to become the main characters mm-hmm. of the new show. Um, we talked about this a little bit off air. I'm, I don't like this kind of thing. I'm not a huge believer in, in let's take this formula and move it over to a different decade and see how it does. But, I, but you're a little more optimistic and you know the show a little better than I do. Yeah. So maybe you have the opinion that matters here, but you think that, that it's still going to be pretty good and at least watchable? Yeah, I, I think that... I mean, I trust Adam Goldberg as their because he wrote and directed the the pilot. I I don't think it's gonna follow the same exact formula because he's he's done other things like he's worked with Adam Sandler a lot and he's done other projects. This is the the Goldbergs is more of a passion project for him, so I I feel like he is smart enough and creative enough to not do the same exact thing. Kind of like something like you mentioned, the 80s, that 80s show, which mm-hmm. was done in the early 2000s, which was exactly like that 70s show, but in the 80s. Uh, I feel like this will be a little different. It'll focus more on the character of Tim Meadows' character and the coach and kind of integrate some of that stuff. So it'll be more character driven, I think, because even though the Goldbergs d- does focus on the 80s, it's still very character driven. Right. Yeah. I think that'll carry over to to the show yep here's hoping i, I hope it turns out because the goldbergs is great uh, i haven't seen all the episodes like you have but I love that, that show. show is fantastic it's so good <laughs> one last piece of tv news before we get into a couple of reviews uh, seth you were just telling me before we got on the mic here it sounds like blumhouse and hulu are working on a, a new is it a series now yeah so i know that because anthologies have been a pretty popular thing Huge recently right now. yeah like uh HBO's done it with Room 104. Obviously, you have Black Mirror on Netflix. And Hulu is now getting to the game, with, and they're pairing up with uh, Blumhouse. Jason Blum, is that his name? Mm-hmm. Um, he signed a deal to do uh, once a month to do a, a, an anthology series, a horror anthology series. They're going to release an episode once a month, um, which I don't know if it'll be like an hour, like a movie-length type thing, but interesting i I think it's kind of cool because the thing i like about anthologies is that different directors and writers get to express and and write and create new things that they normally wouldn't which is like room 104 and and black mirror and um things like that I, i think this is pretty cool i'm excited for it and blumhouse has been putting out some pretty good stuff yeah. So I, I trust them. Yeah. I like that they're going to take time in between each episode. Yeah. I like that there's going to be a consistent trickle of mm-hmm. episodes. We we now live in an era of binging TV shows. I think that there's something to be said for waiting a little bit between each one. Well, that's how Hulu does it too. Is they like with even with Handmaid's Tale, they do a couple episodes at a time, mm-hmm. which I didn't get to do because I watched it all at once. Um, later, much later on. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I like they do that with that and the path is another one. I think they even did it with uh, they did it with eleven twenty two sixty three, which is the well. one you loved. Yeah. So I, I'm excited to get to do that for um, Handmaid's Tale, and I, and I actually might check out the Blumhouse thing because 
I hate horror movies, but part of it is that, like, in a theater, everything is so goddamn loud <laughs> and in your face. Whereas, like, I don't mind horror at home. Mm-hmm. So you can if, feel safe in your blankie? Kinda. <laughs> <laughs> but even so, it's like, it's not so in, like, it's not so intense. Mm-hmm. And if something actually scares me from what I see on TV, I'd rather be scared by that than a goddamn jump scare where it's like, Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I think when it's on TV, they take a little more care to make it suspenseful mm-hmm. and more deeply scary than just bleh. Yeah. So I, I really hope it's good. That's, this is something that's absolutely going on my list to check out when it when it drops. And I also saw Hulu is, they, they actually had a, about a 40% increase in subscribers this year between normal Hulu and their live TV streaming. Wow. So they're growing at an incredible rate. Now, um, starting what will be 2019, they're going to have an additional backing by Disney um, because of that, that Disney deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hulu's only going to get bigger and better. Um, I know, th- I still think, in just because of A, the name that they have already, and B, the fact that Disney's going to squeeze an extra dollar out of everyone that Disney's going to have their separate streaming for, like, their Disney streaming service. It's going to have, like, the Marvel shows and and their Disney movies and Fox movies. But I think Hulu will still exist separately, but they're still going to get the money. So people are going to pay for the seven ninety nine Hulu, potentially the live TV streaming that they have, and then they'll pay the $5 a month for the Disney, and then, you know, whatever Netflix is charging by that point. Hulu slash Disney now is going to be in a good spot. All right. Before we leave TV, I got a couple things to review and both of which are Netflix original series. What did we decide when I review TV? What's my segment called? Cody's untitled TV segment. (laughs) All right. Welcome to Cody's untitled TV segment. Uh, First up. You can tune out now. We have the end of the fucking world, which we talked about last Fucking. It was surprise announced last Monday to be released last Friday. And I thought I was going to watch it. And you thought you were going to watch it. And then I did instead on Saturday. And I want to get straight to the point. Who so, would have th- thought that you had less plans than I did on a weekend? Yeah, no shit. Typically, you're, <laughs> yeah, I'm busy and you're not. And this time I watched about 28 hours of TV over the weekend. Hey, isn't, isn't it a great feeling? No, I hate myself for it, but <laughs> I'm glad I get to bring my knowledge to the, the people at home. So the end of the fucking world. And by the way, um, from 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 here out, I, I want to adapt a system for reviewing things. And I've, I've broken things up into three tiers. For One, you. For me, personally. Okay. One is skip it. Don't watch this. Two is cue it. Put it in your, your Netflix queue. Like Q-U-E-U-E? Yes, cue it. Watch it later on. Third is, that how is you spell that? yeah. Third is watch it now. So on a scale of skip it, cue it, or watch it. Hold now, on. On a scale of skip it, cue it, or watch it now. End of the end of the fucking world is gonna get a skip it. A skip it. It's gonna get a skip it. Um, I'll, I'll tell you a little bit about this one. It's a show about two kids, and there's a guy and a girl. And the guy in the first episode, he says, "I am a psychopath." And it has this voiceover. We talked about it a little bit last week. It's got kind of this Dexter kind of thing where he's talking to you, the viewer, in a narration 
while things are going on. And then there's a girl who is not necessarily a psychopath, but she's a very weird person. Like she's very blunt and very angry and very impulsive. And the reason I was drawn to this show was because the, and the trailers will tell you this, so this is not a spoiler, but the boy in this story decides he wants to kill a person. And when he first meets this girl, he decides she's the person he's going to kill. And the two of them start dating because he needs to get close to her so he can kill her. And then things go on from there. That's all in the first episode. Things go on from there. And from what I thought was a very interesting premise, they that lasted two or three episodes before they started to slide into something very familiar and to me very boring. And that's the big problem I had with this. They, they took a great premise and just decided, never mind, we're just going to go do what everyone expects us to do. Hmm. The performances in this are perfectly fine. Nothing is distractingly bad in it. Um, it is British uh, British TV, so if, you, if for whatever reason you hate Brits or you hate British TV, don't watch this. But it's, it's, to me, it was a squarely okay show that didn't do anything different. And the reason I was drawn to it was because I expected it to be different. Okay. So that's why it was disappointing to me. That's why I'm giving it a skip it because it's it's really nothing you haven't seen before. You can guess almost all the beats and there's nothing in here that's groundbreaking enough to draw you to it. Nothing that I'm going to say, this was amazing, you need to be drawn to it. Um, it's pretty simple. The best thing I can say for it is that each episode is under 25 minutes long. So you can watch the whole thing in about two and a half to three hours. Oh, that's, re- that's not bad at all. It's really, really short. I thought it's it was really going to be an short. hour type thing. No, no. It's pretty short. It's very simple. Nothing too deep. Um, very basic. If you have, let's say, for example, you're up between 7 and 10 a.m. on a Saturday because <laughs> you have no plans. Uh, yeah, sure, throw it on and watch it. But uh, definitely I'm not imploring anyone to go out and see this one. Again, it, it gets a skip it for me. The other show I've, I've been working on but I finished over the weekend is called Lovesick. Now, if you, have, if you have Netflix, you may actually know this show from a prior name that it had. Uh, Lovesick was formerly known as Scrotal Recall which is the best name for a TV series I've ever heard. But I didn't hear it, or I didn't watch the show until it had already changed its name to Lovesick. Now, Scrotal Recall slash Lovesick is an apt name for the show, and here's why. Uh, the main character in the show is a man, he's British, and he finds out that he has chlamydia. And so the premise of the show is he has to go back and tell every woman he's slept with for the last seven or eight years that he's got chlamydia and that they need to go get themselves checked. So the show, each episode is titled after the name of a woman he slept with and it explores how he goes about telling her that he has chlamydia and also in a side timeline that's the past, how he came about hooking up with that woman. So there's constantly this dual timeline going on where it's, how did I meet this woman and have sex with her? And now today, how am I telling her? Now, added into all this is the fact that in present time, the main character has a sort of best friends slash will they, won't they get together relationship with a female friend of his. That is just this whole other wrench in the whole system. And I, I gotta tell you, this, this show gets, for me, it's a, it's a cue it 
put it in the Netflix queue and watch it when you get a chance. I'm not telling you to rush out for this one, but specifically if you're a fan of How I Met Your Mother, I think this is very similar to it. It's hmm. kind of a British version of How I Met Your Mother because it's it has sort of dual timelines going on. It's got the whole theme of here's the main character who is this very romantic person, has this these very idealized versions of what he thinks love is, mm-hmm. and the reality of what he goes through is so much different from that. The main character of this show is very similar to Ted Mosby. He's also got a best friend who he's really into, kind of similar to a Robin Trubatsky kind of thing. Okay. Um, and, of course, they have another friend who is a Joey Tribbiani slash Barney Stinson kind of <laughs> character. So, um, there's... This show feels very familiar to an American TV show, specifically How I Met Your Mother, but mm-hmm. it's different enough. There are some some types of storytelling that are different. There are some storylines that are different, and there are some scenes that they treat differently from American TV that I really enjoyed. Okay. Um, I love the dialogue. I, I really enjoy London dialect. Just the way that they say things to each other is entertaining to me, so I really dug that. But... The, the thing I was really able to latch onto was how this guy who, again, has this super idealized, romanticized version of love gets this reality check time and time again. And I also really enjoyed the anth- anthological sort of way the show was told. It's very much out of sequence in terms of timeline. Mm-hmm. And each episode, like I said, is based on a woman. And so it has this way of being separate each episode. But... Also, they have the overarching connection of the current time and his sort of relationship with his best friend. Lovesick gets a recommend from me. They just released season three a couple weeks ago. Um, They're half an hour episodes, and and there's something like 20 of them in all three seasons uh, total. So it's a pretty quick watch. Something I really enjoyed, especially, again, if you were into How I Met Your Mother, I think you're really going to like Lovesick. So again, you get to cue it up for me. Uh, don't rush out and watch it right now, but it's something that you should definitely get to when you get a chance. So let me ask you this. For the end of the fucking world, because I was kind of looking up some stuff while you were talking about it, and it seems to kind of be more of like a dark type of show. Darkish, not much happiness mm-hmm. to it, right? I know that's not t- your type of show. Yes, um, but I, I think I know where you're going with this. Tell me if you're wrong. You're a person who enjoys the darker type of shows i don't think i still don't think you're gonna like really because it's not so dark okay it's it's like it's like a 17 year old would say is dark tv okay you know what i mean because it's it's not either way enough mm -hmm. it's not it's not even dark enough for like if if you didn't tell me it was a dark show i wouldn't have guessed it by watching it okay it just seems like a regular ass show because a lot of uh, it looks like it's so far, and there's not been a ton, but it's been pretty positively reviewed. But, I mean, it's not... There's only, like, 20 reviews mm-hmm. so far. So, I don't know. Yeah, and I don't I don't want to shit on it. I don't think it's terrible. Mm-hmm. I, just, I just really don't think that it's anything new. Yeah. And I don't think it's anything groundbreaking that people need to watch. Okay. Um, and so, some people are going to enjoy it, I think. But in it, for the general folks out there, I, I think it's something to skip. Okay. Like I said, the performances are fine. The story's fine. Everything about it is okay. There's nothing super wrong with it. It just, I expected it, and maybe it was my fault, 
for expecting something different. Mm-hmm. It did. It didn't do anything outside of exactly what I expected. Okay. It was kind of funny though. I watched both of those shows um, during the same day, mm-hmm. and so it was really weird to go out and not hear British accents because <laughs> they're both British shows, and they both use like I learned that um, Brits will use the word properly as like an emphatic. Okay. So I will say that is properly fucking stupid um and so that i thought that was pretty entertaining yeah and then there's things like you put the trunk of your car is called the boot in england yeah so you put put stuff in the boot <laughs> if you got a bike just put it in my boot <laughs> now that you've kind of gone to some tv shows you've watched recently and you talking about kind of binging through reminded me of some shows i've watched recently that have gotten some attention over the the weekend let's kind of talk about the golden globes so for those who don't really know about the Golden Globes or are very familiar, we talked about it a few weeks ago, but the Golden Globes uh, are kind of like your, almost like a B-level award show. Um, they're kind of a mix between TV and movies. and well, B as, as compared to like the Oscars and Emmys, Oscars I would say Emmys. they're a B, yeah. but they're bigger than like the SAGs or yeah. whatever else. So they're, 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 kind put of, a, they're the next one. They're the minor league yeah. to the Oscars. Maybe. They're put on by the Hollywood Foreign Press Association and... So that this happened on Sunday. If I don't know if you had a chance, if you guys had a chance to check these out, all of the acceptance speeches and the monologue are online, um, and that's basically the whole show. Whole show, because the rest of the goddamn show that pissed me off was there's a lot of like trailers and promos for movies currently going, but I did enjoy a lot of the interviews and acceptance speeches, and like Oprah had a really good in, uh, good acceptance speech for. An honorary award she got. So I do want to talk about first the TV awards for the Golden Globes. So one show that kind of came to mind that I want you to watch and I was hoping you to watch this weekend was the marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Um, really wish I had watched that instead of End of the Fucking World. You you absolutely need to watch that show. So to kind of to kind of go off that um, that show won for best actress in rachel brosnahan best for comedy or uh, musical and she that show also won for best comedy and musical so um, i was very excited by this i got to catch her uh, speech live and it was it, it was pretty it was pretty nice she was she was very shocked by the win but she also was very appreciative and talked about kind of the women's movement that's going on right now and and the fact that that show really focuses on that which it does and and how proud she is of that show so it's pretty cool i know one of the winners i was very excited to see for actor in a comedy series was aziz mm-hmm. hey there folks you're hearing future cody uh here in the editing booth just wanted to give you guys a little heads up uh there's gonna be a, a weird cut here in the show uh it turns out we actually had some recording problems for a pretty good portion of the show so i had to remove a lot of some strangely distorted sound and things like that so we're going to skip ahead uh we're going to leave tv and end up in movies uh quick highlight of some of the stuff you missed we did some movie reviews for uh, jumanji which was good molly's game which was great and then uh, a couple netflix originals the babysitter which was just okay and kind of dumb and then the incredible jesse jessica james uh which was a pretty cool one so uh 
a lot of mediocre, some great stuff. Specifically, Molly's game was kind of the highlight here. Also, I'm very sad to say that we are also uh, had to cut out me describing the plot of Insidious, The Last Key, to Seth. Um, and which is a bummer because I had a lot of fun doing that. It's one of our favorite segments and, and we'll bring it back in a few weeks, um, for, uh, for, I think Winchester is going to be the next one. So, uh, in case you're wondering what the heck happened, how the, how the sound gets screwed up. Here's a little preview of me talking about Insidious. He's a demon with keys for hands. I call him the demon. So obviously we couldn't leave that in, but I'm going to put you back into the podcast right about the time I finish up talking about Insidious and Seth and I are going to go into some more general conversation. So no plot spoilers here, just kind of talking about the series and stuff. So here you are back into the show. Quiet on the set. Can we please have quiet on the set? Movies. So I was pretty enthralled by that. Where do you rank this in terms of the Insidious movies though? Um... Okay, so there are four of these. Mm-hmm. I would say one, two, got four and three. Neither of them are very good. I've heard that. Yeah. Um, the first two were excellent. I, I, <laughs> I really enjoyed the first two, but the second two were not very good. So in any order, they're three and four or four and three. I remember seeing, I for some dumbass reason, I saw the second one with you. Mm-hmm. And I was watching that through my fingers the entire <laughs> goddamn time. Um, it was scary. And... and the story was actually pretty interesting. Yeah. For the second one, at least. Um, as Patrick Wilson, mm. he is, he's like slowly becoming the guy of horror movies. Yeah. He's going to be, uh, he's going to be in another one that's coming out soon too. I can't, I can't Well, he's in these name. and in The Conjuring. Yeah. Universe. He's been in three or four of The Conjuring movies There's now? one other one he's going to be in that's coming up soon. I don't know if it's just his face or what, but he's he's kind of a horror guy. He really does a good job in, in the mm-hmm. horror movie. Because in the first one, he's kind of the helpless father figure. Yeah. And in the second one, spoilers a little bit, he's kind of the demon. Yeah. And so he, yeah. he does both very well. Mm-hmm. And uh, I really was missing <laughs> him in parts three and four. There yeah. wasn't... Uh, you also had Rose Byrne in the yeah. first two. She does an excellent job. Uh, three and four don't have that at all. It's just it's night and day difference between the two. Because I do remember when the first one came out, it was a lot of people are like, "Holy shit, this is scary!" Who directed the first one? Do you remember? James Wan. Yeah, James Wan, mm-hmm. and he is he also did. He does the Conjuring ones too. Does he do Conjuring? Mm-hmm. Did he do any of the saws? The first one. Did he actually do... the first few? Yeah. Yeah, he's like the horror guy. Yeah, at least he... the the big. Um, the popcorn horror stuff, and know. he's doing uh, Aquaman. Isn't he doing yeah. Aqu- Like he's he's a pretty creative dude. He's been a busy man. Yeah, he's he's a creative dude. So, and um, he's not been involved with three and four. Yeah, to my knowledge, and also wasn't involved with the additional saws past a couple of them. Yeah, he might have done the first three or so. Yeah, but after that, I don't I don't think so. And Maybe then, even just the first one. Yeah, I, I don't really know. But, like, he's he's a creative guy, and kind of building off that into Aquaman, like, I'm, I'm kind of excited to see what he can do. Yeah, so. I'm, a, I'm a James Wan fan. He's kind of in charge. He's kind of the Kevin Feige of the Conjuring universe, <laughs> yeah. which is, The Nun is the next big one that comes out over the summer. Very, very excited to see one. <laughs> 
but not as scary as fuck. Yeah. That's no no if fans or buts. I can't wait to see that and I definitely can't wait to describe it for you uh, can for you go on the right ahead and describe <laughs> that. I think the next one I'll be describing is gonna be The Strangers Pray at Night, yeah. which is a sequel to I've said it before, my favorite horror movie of all that, time. That that might have been the first describe like you describing that to me other than was was the crazies the one that's been a long time i don't remember what would have been the very was, first time was the crazies the one that took place took place in, in iowa yeah the first movie was i thought was the crazies that i described to you yeah yeah anyway we've been doing it for a while you've been doing it for a it's long something time something i love doing and uh i remember i like i remember you describing the crazies at Fairway. We were fucking facing shelves. Ah, I do remember that. Yeah. Yeah. We, we were facing shelves. Because I, I remember telling you about how it ends and being like, oh, snap. <laughs> the end of this movie. <laughs> we were facing shelves, just mm-hmm. bullshitting, and you were, you were describing that movie to me. What can I say? I'm a storyteller. Yeah. Let's shift. And by the way, like... I can only do something like that movie is not great. Like I said, yeah. it's it gets a skip it for me. Yeah. Uh, make sure you come back for the nun, which I expect to be a much better horror movie, and I hope <clears> that <throat> the strangers pray at night will be a much better <clears throat> movie as well. So I'm hoping those will be much more what, riveting. When does strangers come out? The strangers Str- is February. That's where it was. Strangers. Strangers was uh, was one of the other ones. Oh, that movie gives uh, me the heaps. When when you describe that to me about like the just like her, the woman. Because there's a woman in that, like mm-hmm. her doing her thing, and they're in the background. You just see a person with a fucking hood on. Oh god! Like even you describing, I never seen that movie in my entire life. I never even seen like a, I've never seen a clip of it. But her, like the woman, just like getting a pot of coffee or getting a cup of coffee, and there's a fucking dude with a hood in the background. That creeps me out. That gives me the heaps. Oh, that gives me the heaps. I can't wait for the sequel. I'm very very excited. But before we get any nightmares, uh, let's let's get over to something. Out? What's that? When strangers come out? I think it's next month. I think it's February. Oh fuck! I'm excited. It's I'm I'm afraid it'll be horrible, but I hope it's good. Yeah. All right. Well, before we give each other too many nightmares, let's let's finish with something a little more light. Yeah. Um, very little more light. Yeah. Uh, both of us went to see Molly's game. Molly, Molly. This has been getting. Um, some Oscar buzz, mm-hmm. specifically for the main star Jessica Chastain. Chastain. And uh, I'll, I'll, I've been talking a lot. What What did you think of Molly's Game? Um, Molly's Game was extremely enjoyable for me. I've heard a lot of things about Jessica Chastain's performance going into it, and I was excited to see that. But as a movie, I enjoyed it way more than I expected. Mm-hmm. Um, Aaron Sorkin wrote and directed this and this is his first first time directing directing um he wrote social network yep and that was my favorite movie of that year and there was a lot of similarities to social network um you mentioned that kind of before i saw the movie and when when i saw the movie because you saw it before i did yeah and after seeing the movie i i really recognized that and actually appreciated it more after seeing it her performance was great chastain's performance was incredible she i i didn't know the story going into it never heard it me either yeah and the story of it is is pretty incredible after after hearing about it and reading about it after but 
overall her performance is really really good um even just some of her mannerisms were really awesome you know for for the character itself um the story was super engrossing i a lot of people were kind of bagging on the movie for the pacing but i never really felt that i was never bored i never was either i and and that's kind of where that Sorkin-ish type of pacing for the social network came to came into play. Because for me, the story really led into the pacing itself, where, like, the social network is not a story of, like, a fast-paced type of, you know, an environment where Molly's Game was along that lines, where it was just, like, the story itself doesn't lend itself to be fast-paced. Mm-hmm. So the pacing kind of complemented the the overall pacing of the movie yeah it's kind of redundant but i didn't have an issue with that at all and that's that was kind of the main issue i saw with a lot of people um i thought obviously again going back to chastain her performance is great but i thought the supporting cast while very um it was very random there's a lot of random actors and actresses that were thrown into this movie i liked it quite Mm -hmm. a bit um the the main one I think about when I when I come back to this movie is Chris O'Dowd. Yeah, Chris O'Dowd played a pretty key role towards the second third of the of the film. End of the After, second act, beginning of the yeah, film. and it was a small part, mm-hmm. but an important one. It was very important, and that was it was really crucial. Um, you had some really interesting actors th- get thrown thrown into the movie, like Michael Sarah. Was was a pretty key role in the film that didn't. Michael Sarah is not a great actor per se, but he did a, a really good job in this movie. Yeah, like the the supporting actors of this movie weren't anything that'll never win an award, but they played the role to make Chastain's performance heightened. Mm-hmm. That I really appreciated. Um, I. Overall, I love the movie. I, I thought it was done I very, really very well. I was engrossed 100%. I don't know. It, it was it was great. I, I I expected a lot, and I think I got more than I expected mm-hmm. out of it, which is not typical for Oscar season type of movie for me. It, it, it takes a lot for, for me, personally, to have that expectation exceeded. Obviously, I, I don't think this movie will win an Oscar for Best Picture, Hell, I don't think it'll be nominated. Uh-uh. Uh, but I was really happy with this movie, and, and I loved it. Yeah, I did too. You said you loved it. It's going to get a watch it now from me. Um, Jessica Chastain is fantastic in this. Idris Elba, also yeah. really great that's in this. Another, that's another I'm point. I'm a huge Idris Elba fan, and to hear him speak in this kind of fast-paced, very technical way that Sorkin writes was, was very satisfying for me um, so i really enjoyed him and then really the the main character of this you know a lot of people say it's jessica chastain and she was fantastic but the story mm-hmm. is the main character of this movie and yeah. it's increasingly rare nowadays that you get that mm-hmm. and so the the story being so interesting and so cool and mm-hmm. so crazy was the thing I latched onto, I there every minute of this movie, I wanted to know what was going to happen next. Mm-hmm. And for a movie that's two hours plus, that's pretty rare. Yeah, uh, there was no watch check moments for me. Very, very interesting. And 
obviously dialogue driven. Yep. As, as Sorkin tends to be in his writing, which is great. I enjoyed that a lot. Um, this was a, it. I I liked it a lot. I, two thumbs, uh, five stars, whatever it is you want to say. <laughs> but for for Cody, it's a it's a go watch it now. All right. So we talked about some movies we saw to kind of wrap up the show. We got some movies that. Uh, Got some recognition this weekend with the, the Golden Globes. Globes. The Golden Globes. All right. So, again, as in terms of the in terms of the awards, I especially with the movies, it's it's harder to kind of justify the Golden Globes because a lot of these movies were nominated before they even came out. Yeah, like fucking all the money in the world, which I loved. And again, like I think Christopher Plummer deserved his nomination. I just. It's hard. Mm-hmm. I think the Oscars are are a much better barometer for movies in general. But um, let's kind of talk about that. So we'll start with kind of supporting and some of the ones I saw. Actually, we'll start with kind of the, the lesser ones. We kind of got the music. So Best Original Song and Score. Uh, best Original Song went to This Is Me for The Greatest Showman. I personally thought it should have gone to... I didn't see The Greatest Showman. But I still think that should have went to Remember Me Remember by me Coco. Because that song, A, catchy as fuck, and B, emotional as fuck. There's, I could I could stare at a blank white wall <laughs> and listen to that song and it would make me cry. Right. Uh, maybe, maybe the Greatest Showman song is fantastic, but I don't give it great odds that it's better than the Coco song. Right. Well, and the Oscar, maybe the Oscars will prove different. And I hope so. I really hope that rumor, and, and uh, that happens a lot of times, like fucking the, the Frozen song won mm-hmm. the Oscar. It still pisses me off that the Greatest Showman got any attention whatsoever. A, critics did not like that movie. The movie is under 50% rotten, it's like around 50% rotten tomatoes. And B... And Barnum, the fucking Barnum guy. Oh, that guy's a piece of shit. He's a piece of garbage. And on the Golden Globes, ten minutes into or after the ten minutes after the monologue, Zach Gaffron comes out and he literally says, P.T. Barnum is a great American, like something like, like a great human who changed the world in this, this, and this in way. Like, no. He was a piece of garbage who manipulated people and treated animals poorly. Mm-hmm. Fuck that guy. He shouldn't have a movie about him. Mm-mm. Whatever. Anyway, so then the uh, best best original score went to Shape of Water. Haven't seen that yet. I really want to see it. Exactly. Sounds like it's great. And so, cool. Best animated film? Gotta be Coco. Coco. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. gonna walk away with the Oscar. Exactly. Um, and then best screenplay which is kind of a contested one went to three billboards which i'm excited about i really and it's a best original screenplay um they don't really do kind of adapted in mm-hmm. the, the golden globes three billboards was one of my favorite it's my favorite of the ones i've seen so far i still haven't seen like the post or shape of water but i, I was excited to see that one yeah. I'm, that's that's one i know that you're gonna mention a, a couple more times mm-hmm. <laughs> as we get into the movies. I haven't seen it, but I'm very, very excited to, and even more so after seeing the results of the mm-hmm. clips. So first I'll go into Best Supporting Actor. Uh, Best Supporting Actor was Sam Rockwell, Rockwell from Three Billboards. Um, he was the racist cop I mentioned from the, from the review. His performance was really interesting because he takes a journey from, you hate this guy. 
to someone you kind of change your feeling about maybe and not the way you expect towards the end of the movie i i was really happy with him winning and i know he was i i mean i kind of thought maybe christopher Plummer might win because of just everything happening uh willem dafoe was a favorite as well um but i was happy sam rockwell won yeah i i thought he was definitely deserving of that that win best supporting actress was allison janney and i Tanya. not a movie i've seen yet um, there wasn't a whole lot in this category I could really comment on. Uh, Laurie Metcalf from Lady Bird, which we've both seen, was in that. Um, she was great in that movie. Hong Chow from Downsizing, which you saw, she was in that. Oh, I didn't know she was even nominated. Yeah. That's good for her. She, I liked her in that movie, but... Yeah, she was at the Golden Globes. She actually uh, she did a sketch with Seth Meyers, which, if you haven't checked out his opening monologue, check it out he was pretty good i actually liked it quite a bit um he mentioned he did uh he did a a sketch that he does during his late night show where he sets up uh punchlines and then women like he oh jokes seth can't tell yeah 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 Yeah, he did that with um hung chow did it and jessica chastain did it and then amy poehler came on and did it (laughs) him and amy poehler is great yeah they have have such a chemistry it's so funny you should check out just check out his opening monologue in general. There's some there's a couple of political things, but overall check it out. Um, Mary J. Blige though for Mudbound was in there. I really hope that movie gets more attention during the Oscars because it completely deserves the attention. But yeah, Allison Janney, I really want to see I Tanya. I hope I'm excited for them. I hope it's in theaters around here soon. Best performance by an actor in a musical or comedy. We talked about this um, in the predictions. James Franco won for Disaster Artist. My favorite speech of the night. <laughs> because of Tommy. Oh, my God. So he won for Disaster Artist playing Tommy Wiseau. Tommy Wiseau came up. And then Tommy tried taking the mic. <laughs> Tommy grabs for the mic and has a hold of it. And Franco's like, whoa, 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 whoa. And then starts laughing. Because he knows what kind of crazy ass shit Tommy's going to say. And then Franco gives a really nice heartfelt speech actually about it. He does his Tommy Wiseau impression. Does everything that he should do. Franco has, and thinking about this now, Franco has grown up in front of everyone's eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, from hosting the Oscars, what, seven, eight years ago with... Uh, uh, Anne Hathaway, yep. where he was high as shit, and people, and that was around the time he did 127 Hours, and people recognized him as a good actor, but he was kind of like that douchey guy. He's grown up a little bit, and he's really perfected his craft as an actor. I, I, I'm excited to see him get some recognition, and you know, I, I hope he gets some recognition for the Oscars too. I hope mm-hmm. I hope he gets nominated. I don't think he wins, and that's that's for that's kind of goes along with the drama category that I'll talk about in a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope he gets a recognition, and I'm I'm excited to see him continue to mature. Yeah, I I did see his speech. I loved him in the Disaster Artist. I thought yeah. this was very deserving. I was kind of pulling for Daniel Kaluuya in this category yeah. in Get Out, who he was fucking amazing. Mm-hmm. I think the big thing, though, to come out of this has been that, um, you know, there ha- there have been some sexual allegations against James Franco yeah. that have come to light in the past that yeah. have resurfaced lately. So 
I think that that's going to be a storyline going forward is what comes out, how he responds, and how the Oscars respond to that as well. Yeah. Um, next, we have Best Director, um, which that isn't really broken up. That's just kind of a catch-all. Guillermo del Toro won that for Shape of Water. Not a movie I've seen yet. You haven't seen yet. I can't wait to. Uh, I know Jared saw it. He really loved it. Uh, I'm I'm excited to see it. I hope it comes around here soon. Sounds like he's deserved of that that category. Some other the people some other people in that category were Martin McDonough uh, for Three Billboards. A lot of people were expecting him to kind of be in that race. Christopher Nolan for Dunkirk. Uh, Ridley Scott for All the Money and Spielberg. I think it sounds like Spielberg, Nolan, McDonough, and Del Toro are all in the race for Oscars. All the money in the world has really fallen down quickly mm. since the Golden Globe noms. Saw that movie. I enjoyed it. I'm not surprised that it's falling out of that because I think there's a lot of holes in that movie. Uh, a lot of performances such as Michelle Williams that I don't think deserve to be in the overall movie mm-hmm. like Oscar category. So I think um, with director going into the Oscars, I really like... Christopher uh, Nolan. Greta Gerwig is also another one that deserves Greta, to be in there. And they thought she was a snub. Yeah. Because, not to spoil what you got going forward, but <laughs> yeah. her, her movie did really well yeah. last night, but yeah. she wasn't even nominated. Yeah. Um, now, her aside, I think Chris Nolan is, for me, someone who should have a front seat to the Oscar because of how Dunkirk was put together, yeah. the way they used so much practical effect. And I haven't seen Three Billboards, and I haven't seen The Post yet, but... Yeah. But what Nolan was able to do in that movie was super impressive. Yeah. And so there's, uh, to me, he's, he, for me, based on what I've seen so far, he's probably the front runner. I still personally put Martin McDonough in the front, even in front of Guillermo. Uh, but again, I haven't seen Shape of Water, so I mm-hmm. can't, can't, can't really judge it fairly. But I thought Three Billboards, I, I really hope that movie does well at the Oscars because that movie, it says a lot. Mm-hmm. It there's also some like I talked about in the review there's some things that aren't very sensitive to the world that we exist in right now but it still it talks about comp- like mostly compassion mm-hmm. compassion for because in the world that we live in today with especially with the political climate we can as, as someone who who lives on the side of liberals like we pretty much consider ourselves liberals right yeah. yep we don't have compassion for those who are more conservatives. And there's conservatives out there who are not terrible people, who don't completely live on that side. There's not much compassion. And when we don't have compassion for the other side, it's hard to coexist. Mm-hmm. And yep. that's what Three Billboards really talks about is compassion. There's movies that talk about the extreme sides of things, but there's not many that talk about compassion. And I think that's what Three Billboards really talks about. And that's, it's, it's a very controversial movie. And, but I also think it's done in a way that might be extreme for some, but it also talks about things that others don't. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. And that's tough. I mean, if, and I still got to see this one, but if he's able to successfully mm-hmm. navigate that then yeah, by all means, he should yeah. be should be one of the front runners also. And for you personally, it's definitely not. It's not even half as depressing as like Manchester was. Mm-hmm. I think you'd enjoy it way more than you enjoy Manchester. Mm-hmm. But there's also some things that are kind of off putting too. Yeah. So and that's art. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So. 
So best actress in a, in a musical or comedy, uh, best lead actress, goes to Saoirse Ronan. Saoirse. <laughs> good for her. Good for her. Very good for her. I was very happy to see she her She was win. excellent in Lady Bird. I thought Obviously, well I was, deserved. I was a little, you know, kind of sad because Emma Stone was nominated for Battle of the Sexes. And A, I love Emma Stone, but B, that movie was actually really good. And I, think I have yet to see it. I you have to see that movie. It. That movie is a very, very good but Sertia, she was definitely deserving of that that win, and she had a very good speech. She was very prepared for it, and pretty much she she was gonna win. Yeah, she was up against some pretty pretty tough uh, competition with like Judy Dench was in there, Margot Robbie was in there, Emma Stone, uh, Helen Mirren, all have been nominated or have won an Oscar. <laughs> so, um, it was cool to see her win though. And she was very, she was very appreciative and happy that she won. And she, she talked about again, the women's movement and, and how important that was. So cool to see her win performance by an actor in a drama. I talked about this, uh, during the, the golden globes, you know, nominations, Gary Oldman won this by, a landslide no one he was standing up before it even fucking got christ <laughs> dude and he even he even talked about it in this like he he actually mentioned how the golden globes is kind of a joke and kind of, <laughs> he did in in not in, in in an indirect way good for him though like he 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 talked about the makeup team how important they were and he like he called them out directly he talked to his wife about how demanding this role was if he doesn't win the oscar like fuck the academy awards (laughs) because he killed this 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 role i loved him as uh was it churchill yeah yeah he as as churchill i always get him and the other one there's there's another um english dude that was the prime minister before him before churchill yeah there's one before him that's in the movie. He's in the movie, oh. too. Their names I always get mixed up, but, like, his performance was so goddamn good. He needs to win the Oscar by a fucking landslide. <laughs> he was so good. So I was, I was so happy to see him win and then see him as, when he came up on stage, looking like a normal dude again, looking like Commissioner Gordon and Commissioner Gordon. Ugh. So good. <laughs> you gotta see that movie. Best actress in a drama, Frances McDormand for Three Billboards. Three billboards. Yep. She was up against some really tough competition. Um, she was up against Chastain, which we talked Jessica Chastain, uh, Sally Hawkins for Shape of Water, which mm-hmm. a lot of people had her as the front runner. Meryl Streep. I mean, when you're up against Meryl Streep, what chance do you have? <laughs> it's so hard. And then Michelle Williams, which I do not but agree. You don't think she'll be nominated for the Oscar? I think she will be nominated. I don't agree that she should. Mm-hmm. I, and that, that's that's pretty controversial for the movie. But I did not... And I guess I'm comparing it against to like her performance in um, Blue Valentine and... Manchester. Manchester. That was more of a supporting. But Blue Valentine, she was nominated for Best Actress that year. I thought her performance in those were... A hundred times better than mm. this. I thought, like, her accent in this this movie... And this is pretty nitpicky. Her accent and all the money was awful. <laughs> was terrible. 
and because just knowing how she talks normally, it just it wasn't good. I I did like the way she expressed herself and the way she emoted, but I thought there was too many flaws in her performance where it was just not like I thought Christopher Plummer threw in he he had a better performance than she did, mm-hmm. and he deserved it more than she and did. He did it in a week. <laughs> exactly. Frances McDormand was my pick, and complete... a lot of people's. Pick. I don't think anyone's surprised that she won. Not surprised, but a lot of people thought Meryl Streep. A, a lot of people yeah. really did have Meryl Streep as, from what I read, as the pick for everything, mm-hmm. like Oscars and Globes. Um, I'm so happy she won because her performance in that movie is, and I talked about it in the review. She. Oh, it's so good. Um, <laughs> from just her character and her, the emotions she portrays on her face. There's there's scenes, ten minutes where she, if you total it up, ten to twenty minutes where she doesn't talk, but she says everything on her face mm-hmm. that her character doesn't say. Like she, you see the emotion on her face that her character doesn't tell others because. She has to be this tough mm-hmm. person, but her face doesn't show that tough person. The people that she's acting to, and, and like if you were in a real life situation, wouldn't catch it. But as you watching as as a, an observer can see, mm-hmm. it's incredible. She's huh. so good. Ah, I love it. <laughs> I love it so much. Um, best motion picture for musical or comedy, Lady Bird. Um, that was against some pretty good competition, too. But... I think that's bullshit. Really? Get Out should have won. Get Out, Disaster Artist, Greatest Showman, which Greatest Showman should not be in that goddamn category. Uh, you that haven't mo- even seen it. That movie has been reviewed so poorly. Yeah, that's fair. So fucking poorly. <laughs> um, I, I, I think that... Even those who say that it's like it's a fun movie say there's flaws all over the place mm-hmm. if you compare it to movies like i Tanya, move a movie that people are like it's great uh get out Best you movie love that movie uh disaster artist i fucking Fantastic. love that movie. you love that fucking movie yeah. greatest showman you know what movie is reviewed better than greatest showman ferdinand with john <laughs> cena that movie has a better rotten tomato score than the greatest showman i'm not even fucking joking <laughs> Fuck, and you know why? You know why this movie, The Greatest Show? You're really Showman, hot about this. Because I, I hate the Golden Globes. I really <laughs> hate the Golden Globes. It's because this is the only musical that came out this year. Mm-hmm. They had to throw it in the musical or comedy because it's the only fucking musical that came out this year. They had to throw it in. This movie will not get a fucking sniff of the Oscars other than maybe for best song. Mm-hmm. You know what other song got won? Got nominated and won for best song, but didn't see any other nomination. Lose yourself for Eight Mile. <laughs> that movie is not a good movie. I love that movie because I was a kid. The movie sucks balls, <laughs> and it won for best song. We got Seth is hot right now. I am fucking hot because The Greatest Showman is fucking stupid. That the way just because they portray they portray him as a good dude, they portray him as a saint. And he's a douchebag. <laughs> Was he's, he's dead now? Yeah, you know, fuck him. I don't care. He can be dead for twenty years. I just think that Get Out should have won that category. That's I. Yeah. I've seen Get Out and I've seen Lady Bird. I loved Lady Bird, mm-hmm. but Get Out is the 
one of I mean it's my favorite movie in five years. Okay. So yeah, I would rather get out of one, but well deserved, Lady Bird. So finally, um, I mean, I saw Get Out. Um, I think I I still enjoyed Lady Bird more. It's hard for me because you told me about mm-hmm. Get Out before. Yeah, you didn't get to have it for yourself. Exactly, like you um, and that's hard. Um, I still really want to see I, Tanya. I'm not going to see Greatest Showman. Fuck it. So final category is Best Motion Picture for a Drama. The winner was Three Billboards. And again, I couldn't be happier for that. But I still haven't seen half of the categories, uh, half of the movies in this category. I haven't seen Shape of Water, Call Me By Your Name, or The Post. Mm-hmm. I'm going to see The Post this week. Um, the other two I haven't seen yet. I'm really happy Three Billboards won because I loved that movie quite a bit. Still my favorite that I've seen. Um, Can you speculate? Do you think it'll hold up for the Oscar? I really hope so. Um, again, like Call Me By Your Name is one I've read is a favorite, but the Golden Globes, like every single year, the Golden Globes is something that has kind of like a, a tide turn mm-hmm. for for the Oscars. And whether it's good or bad, um, sometimes movies will be kicked out because they're they don't get recognition for from the Golden Globes. Other times they'll get bumped up because the Golden Globes pump them up. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope that, and and that's what I hate about the award season is like the best movie doesn't always win. Yeah, but who who's to say what the best movie is because it's all so f- subjective. Mm-hmm. Um, I could see I could see like for example. The year that Social Network came out, I loved that movie to bits and pieces. I wasn't a huge movie fan back then, but it's my favorite movie. It didn't win the Oscar. It was close, but it didn't win the Oscar. King's Speech won that year. King's Speech. I saw that movie. Did not like that movie at all. Mm -hmm. Did not like King's Speech. I loved Social Network so much. But, I mean, like, movies are so so Mm -hmm. subjective. You never know. But, uh... I really hope that Three Real Words does carry that momentum, especially with the 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 you know the woman empowerment movement that's mm-hmm. going on. I do think that we talked about the movies and we talked about especially when like when I saw Lady Bird when it came out, how I I didn't think that was Oscar worthy. I do think that will be nominated now. Where two months ago when I saw it, I didn't think that would be nominated. I do. I think that's a lock to be nominated now. What do you think about that? Yeah. I mean, it'd be pretty tough to win the Globe. And I don't think it'll win. But that, that, that's, that is what I've been hearing since the Globes. And, I, and it's only been a couple days. Globes are Sunday. This is Tuesday. That is the two contenders right now. Mm-hmm. Is, is Lady Bird and Three Billboards. And that McDormand and Saoirse Ronan are the two for actor. I do, I, I do think now, though, that just based off politics and everything that's happened, that I've gone from Lady Bird being something that I think would not be nominated to being nominated. Um, I still really want to see some of those movies like I, Tanya mm-hmm. and Shape of Water and The Post to kind of see where my thoughts lie. But those are the three left that I, that I need to see to kind of make those judgments. Um, I don't think movies like The Florida Project are going to be... Hmm. I don't know if... Maybe Willem Dafoe gets nominated. We'll see. Uh, Call Me By Your Name is another one that's kind of fallen by the wayside, it seems like. 
Um, I still really want to see that because it seems like it's a powerful movie. And I hope I hope I get to see that before too soon. I'm, have... I'm really excited for the Oscars. It's going to be exciting. And we've only got two weeks until the nominations yep. come out. Then another few weeks before the show. Yeah. Um, obviously, we're going to make our Oscar picks here on the show. And uh, maybe we'll have a little friendly wager about yeah. who, can, who can pick more winners. We'll we'll see about that. We got some we got goes. some ideas. Yeah, we got we got some ideas that uh, I think are going to be a lot of fun. So, yeah, that that's it for the Globes and a lot of a lot of fun, interesting stuff. Uh, you know, like Seth mentioned, make sure you go check out all the acceptance speeches, yeah, check those and out. Seth Meyers monologue, all that's available on YouTube. Yeah, we'll, we'll try to link to some of those. There's some really good ones. Um, if you were going to check some quick ones, first off, check Oprah. I mean, the, the gotta Oprah. watch. Oprah. If you haven't seen Oprah yet, something's yeah. fucking. Whether if you got not... to this before Oprah, <laughs> <laughs> you get some culture. Um, no, the Oprah one is incredible. Whether you're not like a lot of people are saying that's her kind of her presidential. I don't buy that. Yeah, yet, but um, whether or not you care about power, politics, check that out. Um, it's it's pretty powerful just for the women's movement. Um, check out James Franco just for comedy purposes. That was fucking hilarious. <laughs> Um, I would check out Gary Oldman's for sure. Saoirse Ronan was pretty good. Yeah, those those are some pretty main ones, I would say. Um, also, Rachel Rachel Brosnahan for yeah. Maisel. Check that out. A lot of good stuff on the Glows. Make sure you check out the recap. Again, we're gonna we're gonna post to that stuff down below. Stay tuned for the next couple months. I guess the next four or five weeks, uh, we'll be talking a little bit of Oscar stuff. Obviously, we'll get back to the NFL playoff picture and TV's coming back. Uh, mid-season breaks are ending, so yeah, a lot of good stuff coming back. On I'm gonna be busy that front. Yeah, uh, things are gonna heat up in the next few weeks. <laughs> make sure you come uh, come catch it all here on the Soco Show. Hey, make sure you're subscribing to us wherever it is you listen to the podcast. It might be on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, or iTunes. Make sure you're following us on Twitter. We are at underscore Cody Michael at Seth Oat and at Soco Show. Pod. Also, uh, we're gonna be on a different day every week. We're gonna. Yep, Fridays now. We're gonna consistently try to come out on Fridays rather yeah. than trying to push it out Thursdays and yeah. falling back to Fridays. So, predictably, we will always be out on Fridays from now on. And if not yet, then very soon you'll be able to catch us on YouTube. Uh, at Jared Buckendall's channel. You can find him at Jared Buckendall yeah. on all the social medias, including Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. <laughs> and, of course, on YouTube, where we're uh, we're going to get the videos up there so so folks can see those. Uh, I know Jared's been working on a lot lately. He's seen the Oscar movies kind of at the same times as us. Um, as most recent was... Uh, all the Money in the World, I know yeah. he saw, and Molly's, Molly's Game, Game lately as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. So, He's been uh, he's been hitting up all the Oscar movies as well, so make sure you're checking out his reviews if you're trying to decide which ones to see. And that's gonna be everything. We had a packed show today for episode 26, so thanks for sticking with us all the way through it. We're gonna be back with a lot of the same old fun and maybe a little something new next week on episode 27. This is your co-host Cody Michael for the so host Seth Ott. We'll see you next week. Bye. <clears throat> <clears throat>